0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Your Ben Jaroski show for this Thursday, April 6th, starts now. On today's show, Ben welcomes back 33rd Ward Alderwoman, Rosanna Rodriguez. And 35th Ward Alderman, Carlos Ramirez Rosa. The Ben Jarofsky Show brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, and so much more. Hey, Ben Jarofsky's got a column. I don't know if you've read it yet. But you can over at chicagoreader.com forward slash Jorofsky. That's J-O-R-A-B is in victory. S-K-Y.
2: Hello again, everybody. Ben Jorofsky here. We're calling this uh, <laughs> the day after Thursday. And here's why. Because it's the day after. But you're going, wait a minute. The day after the mayoral election? Well, we'll be talking about the mayoral election. The day after the automatic runoffs, we'll be talking about the future of the Chicago City Council. But I'm just talking about the day after insanity in MAGA and And I, I, I just want to go. Listen, I have been so focused and so obsessed and so insular in my thinking with this mayoral election. The future <laughs> of the city of Chicago. My beloved Karen Lewis coming back. The spirit of Karen Lewis coming back. I can feel you, Karen. Coming back to lead us to the promised land. I've been so utterly focused on that, that I've momentarily forgot the lunatic that this country elected as its president. Oh yeah, you did that, MAGA. Then you try to flip around and elect a mayor for the city of Chicago. (laughs) Why would anybody listen to you, MAGA? Your boy, Donald Trump, charged with 34 felonies. I just love this headline in the New York Times. 34 felonies da cites payoff to all right here we go here's the list payoffs to a porn star a playboy model and a doorman yeah don't forget the doorman the doorman who's had the guy who supposedly had evidence that donald trump had fathered this child that he was ignoring (laughs) trump said i didn't do it but i'm gonna pay you off anyway anyway that's that's your man maga you're rushing to support him meanwhile In Wisconsin, the uh, Republican obsession with eliminating abortion has led to another defeat, a statewide defeat of a MAGA man running for the state Supreme Court. Uh, And when is MAGA going to learn? Apparently, they're not going to learn. They're just going to double down or triple down on all the stupid things they've been doing that lost them the election in 2020, that uh, lost them so many elections in 2022. Uh, and will probably lead to more defeats in 2024. All right, enough a national talk for the while. I just wanted to let people know, I've not forgotten you, the rest of the country. We have a lot of listeners from outside of Chicago. Not forgotten you, okay? But uh, today we're going to do a uh, a little uh, Chicago talk. I don't know, maybe we'll get a little Trump talk in, I don't know, with my two <laughs> distinguished guests. They uh, love talking national politics, and those two distinguished guests are the tag team from the city of Chicago. They've been on this show as a solo and as uh, a unit. And I'm talking about uh, Alderwoman Rosanna Rodriguez from the 33rd Ward and Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa from the 35th Ward. Uh, big night, two of Chicago's best-known lefties, two dear friends at his show. And I'm going to start with Rosanna Carlos because she is just dying to talk some trash to me. So let's just let her get it out.
0: You know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not get, even going to talk trash. I just want you to believe. You know, we were able to win this election because we are true believers. We believe in the possibility of building a city that tends to everybody's needs. And we have stuck with that. And we have gone to work. And we have knocked more doors than anybody could ever imagine. And we go door to door. And we're like... Hello, can I interest you in a different society? <laughs> and people engage with you and people talk to you. And this is what we want. So you have to have faith in us, Ben. Yeah. Because every time that I come to this show, you're like, I'm just so used to losing. We're, we're used to losing. <laughs> we just keep fighting because there's no <laughs> there's nothing else to do. No, we she keeps keep winning. <laughs> yeah, and now and now we're winning. See, but we had to like fight a lot and lose a lot to learn how to fight properly, to learn how to organize ourselves and, and what is the messaging that work and how to have the conversations that are meaningful and that people respond to. And we do it with love and 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 we keep going and this is this is where we're at. We won.
2: Carlos, any thoughts you want to add to that before I get specific with my questions?
3: Sana sounds like a 2016 Cubs fan. You know, she's <laughs> <laughs> she's like you gotta believe and we believed, <laughs> and, and we, we <laughs> took the we took the trophy home. But um, but no, it, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. What happened on Tuesday, April fourth, and um, we want ourselves a lot more work. So I'm excited to get to all right. To,
2: so let's break it down. I'm going to read you a quote, and uh, Carlos, you respond first, and Rosanna, uh, you go. And this is a quote that was in the Sun Times the day after uh, the election. It's from your distinguished colleague Brian Hopkins, the alderman of the second uh-oh. ward. Um, uh and i just want to point out that uh the second ward is the recipient of the biggest single handout so mm when when uh conservative aldermen talk about socialism they forget that in chicago for a minute a long time the only real good socialism the best socialism was for rich people okay so when it comes to taking handouts from the government I didn't see Brian Hopkins saying no at the 1.3, a billion with a B handout for Lincoln Yards to gentrify an already gentrifying neighborhood. Uh, so anyway, that was then, this is now, huh? So Brian Hopkins, huge Paul Ballas supporter, loves Paul Ballas so much. He may have gotten a Paul Ballas tattoo for all I know. Uh, anyway, uh, this was his quote to the Sun-Times. Uh, and it's kind of like a backhand praise, I guess. And Here's what he had to say, uh, Carlos and uh, – Rosanna, Uh, there's still a value to be had by mobilizing an army of field workers, not quite as much as back in the day when half the people working the field could give you a garbage can the next day. But to have that visible presence, there's value in that. That requires a level of dedication and passion that exceeds people being paid to do it. Most of the United Working Families and the CTU Field Army have both. They're being paid, but they also believe in what they're doing. They believe in ending capitalism and replacing it with socialism. They believe in defunding the police. They believe in closing the jails. It's the way they want to reshape society. They believe it's possible and they're fired up. (laughs) You lost. I'm sorry. He did not say the last (laughs) part. He did not say the last part. Uh, Carlos, your response to your
3: distinguished colleagues' comments. Uh, Man, I wish our volunteers uh, were getting paid. Um, people, I think he got one thing right, which is that people are doing this work because they're passionate. Back in the day, you used to have a patronage army. Uh, you used to go knock doors because you had a job with the city of Chicago. Uh, that has, uh, mostly gone away. We still have, you know, Iris Maga Martinez, uh, who's using her clerk of the court, uh, staff to go knock doors and, and cause havoc in the 33rd ward. Um, but outside of, you know, rare instances like that. Um, either you're paying people, which is this, what Brian Hopkins and Paul Vallis do, or you have people that are super motivated and dedicated and are doing it because they care about the candidate. They care about creating a more just society. And I think there's no question that on Tuesday, April 4th, uh, it was the Brandon Johnson campaign that had an army of volunteers, of people who had heart in the game. And we saw that in the 35th Ward. There were only three people for the Vallis campaign in the 35th Ward, they were all paid. They did nothing to their credit. They just kind of sat around, uh, and they actually told our volunteers, uh, which, you know, were in the dozens uh, that morning, they told us that uh, that they, in fact, had voted for Brandon Johnson and that they were just there for Paul Ballas because a gig is a gig, and I'm not going to blame them for that.
2: Oh, my God. That's like Harold Washington always used to say. He goes, when they give out the turkeys, take the turkey and vote for Harold. Uh, <laughs> they won't know. <laughs> Uh, and that is priceless. Well, what about the part where he says they believe in ending capitalism and replacing it with socialism? They believe in defunding the police. They believe in closing the jails. I've had a lot of lefties on my show. Uh, Carlos, I've never had a lefty on my show uh, who has said that they believe in closing jails. But uh, anyway, your thoughts uh, on his an- analysis of the Democratic Socialists in Chicago?
3: Um- so, you know, we do, many of us do believe in socialism. However, Brandon's campaign is a very broad tent. It is a big coalition. Brandon's coalition included moderate and centrist Democrats, it included some people that we might call machine Democrats. But yes, a key part of that coalition and some of the biggest, earliest supporters are socialists who believe in social and economic justice, who believe in democracy. Um, yes, in, in the big leftist tent, there are also prison abolitionists. But for Brian Hopkins to state that that is the belief of every single Brandon Johnson supporter, that's just simply not true. Um, I do want to turn it over to my my colleague, though Alderman Rosana Rodriguez, to see if she has any thoughts on this, because I, mean... I, to...
0: <laughs> I I I find it amusing. First of all, that the way in which he talks about this is the same sort of. Um, energy that have been used throughout the brandon johnson campaign you know trying to to scare people about us you know um and the reality is that the things that we have been running on is just building supports for people and when he says they want to upend capitalism what about this system exactly works like he's looking at reality in his face right and we're saying this sucks like reality right now the society in which we are living is so bad and then all of these people that are imagining you know of, 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 that, that things can be different and that are excited about fighting for a society that actually works for all of us um, are, are are being painted in this light of like extremism you know uh, uh, um but 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 uh, but i i don't have a lot of qualms with what he's saying I'm going to say that a lot of the people that went really hard for Brandon went really hard for Brandon because they actually believe that we can have a different society. Um, One that, that, that moves away from punishment and actually focuses on care. And that is the direction, right? Um, that, that we want to take, um, invest less in punishing people, invest more in caring for them so that then you don't have to spend so much money in those structures, right? Like we don't want those structures. Um, so I, I mean,
2: Whatever, Hopkins. No, I. uh, and one more time before we lose this, I must one more time point out uh, that for a guy who believes in capitalism, he was quick to take that $1.3 billion and distribute it for uh, that huge Lincoln Yard uh, project. Because if we were talking about pure capitalism, Carlos, pure free market capitalism, you don't take a handout. You do it on your own, okay? That's what (laughs) capitalism is all about. (laughs) What's, What's that, Rosanna?
0: Pull yourself up by
2: your bootstraps. Yeah, pull yourself, (laughs) instead of taking my boots off. All right, Carlos, we'll start with you, and uh, Rosanna, you follow up. What lessons do you think Democrats, I'll just say collective Democrats, should take from Tuesday's mayoral election? Democrats, not just in Chicago, but all around the country.
3: What lessons? Go ahead that the defund negative is dead. Uh, in communities uh, that, were, that are, are the most impacted by violent crime on the west side and the south side, the candidate who was on the record coming out in support of defund, uh, voters didn't care, right? They looked to other things, they looked to other issues. Um, maybe perhaps they themselves were opposed to reducing the size of the police, but they agreed overwhelmingly with brandon and his campaign's message that the best way to make our community safer is to invest in them and to address the root causes of crime and we saw this happen in los angeles too They had a very similar cycle not too long ago they kept hitting uh the more progressive candidates as defund candidates and guess what those candidates won we saw that on the northwest side of the city of chicago uh, just last year in the 2022 cycle, they hit Dele Ramirez, they hit Anthony Quesada as defund candidates. They won. And Brandon Johnson was hit as a defund candidate and he won. And so um, I, I think that obviously it's, it's very complex. But I, I think that this like, you know, we're just going to say the word defund and attach it to this candidate. And that's going to be our ace. We're just going to totally demolish this candidate. That's not smart campaigning. Um, It's really stupid. And I I hope that finally we can move away from that very, uh, you know, one dimensional conversation on public safety and and campaign messaging and actually have more nuanced conversations about what voters actually really want and what voters actually really think about public safety and how we actually make our community safer. Rosanna.
0: I'm going to add to that. I totally agree with Carlos. Um, th- this cycle, we saw so much of that defund rhetoric everywhere. Like with me, with many of, of the rest of the people that were I, actually everybody that was running on a progressive platform uh, was accused of being a defund the police candidate, um, and it didn't work. That like almost everybody won. Yeah, um, and i
3: then... oh, go ahead. Sorry,
0: but I would also add um, privatization of services does not bode well with people. Um, we were definitely, I think that we were very um, good at, at, at explaining what Paul Vala's track record has been with privatizing services and how the privatization of services doesn't make them better and, and actually hurts the workers that are delivering the services. Um, and being anti-union, like they went after CTU so hard thinking that ctu you know painting them as the devil uh uh, vilifying teachers um and and that didn't work either for them people like teachers (laughs) people like people like unions people like the idea that that people should be compensated and treated fairly for delivering their labor you know and 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 i think that the democratic party should be taking notes
2: yeah Carlos, you were going to say something
3: I was going to say, and, and the only places where, if you look at the the Chicago map, where it seems like the defund narrative did move voters away from a candidate is in the wards that have the most police families, and that makes sense, right? Because you're saying, well, if you defund the police, my dad loses his job, my brother loses his job, my spouse loses his job, um, and so and so. I think that you know it has very limited, right? Like, I, I think. You would hear on CNN and you would hear from some Democratic operatives that defund was this just killer of an issue, right? That it would totally decimate you, that right? if Democrats spoke about it. And I think that that's only true in, in big cities, in very limited spaces. I think most voters are just tired of hearing it. Um, and it was in some of these communities, as Rosanna was talking about, it was just like ad nauseum. Just, they just kept repeating it over and over and over again about Rosanna. And I'll be honest with you, when I go and knock doors in my community and other parts of the city, uh, most people do not bring up public safety. They bring up other issues. They bring up property taxes. They bring up housing. Um, So that's what I was going to add.
2: Well, property taxes are huge in this city, uh, but we'll hold off on that one. Let's talk about the different patterns of voting patterns. This is something on my mind. I've been meaning to uh, to ask you, uh, both of you, about this. Uh, The 33rd ward, where Rosanna is the alderwoman, uh, and the 35th ward, where Carlos is the alderman, went big for Brandon. I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm doing this off the top of my head, each one got over 60% of the vote for Brandon. I want to say that it's true, which is quite uh, a turnout, okay? Uh, and it was absolutely crucial to offset the huge Valla support in Napolitano's 41st ward and Matt O'Shea's 19th ward, or at least the uh, Western portion of that ward, and et cetera. Uh, but th- I was struck by the, the strong Valla support in Southwest Side Hispanic wards the 12th ward, uh, Ballas got about 59%. The 14th ward, which is Ed Burke's old ward, he got about 59%. That's a heavily Hispanic ward. And the 30th ward, which is on the northwest side, uh, he got 58%. I'm like, damn, 30th ward, 58%. 31st ward, which is northwest side, he got 56%. And the 23rd ward, which is on the southwest side, I think Carlos is probably fits your narrative about the police officers, uh, Sylvanas Barris' ward, uh, he got Uh, Over 70 percent of the vote, 70 percent of the vote. Carlos, your thoughts, why there's a difference uh, in the voting patterns in these uh, southwest, mostly southwest side Hispanic wards from your ward and Rosanna. Go ahead.
3: Well, I think that where you see Brandon doing well, majority Latino wards, it's because you have strong organization and you have organization that has been there for a very long time. Latino voters are very open to voting for progressive candidates, voting for progressive causes. We saw that with Bernie Sanders, Theo Bernie, Latino voters love him, they came out in droves for him. Uh, The message of housing is a human right, healthcare is a human right, Medicare for all, fully funded college education, free for every single child and student in this country. Those are all things that resonated with Latino uh, immigrant families who came here in search of the American dream and found out, holy shit, you know? (laughs) Life is hard here, you know, life is really hard. And so I I think, you know, people who want to see that American dream, who came here expecting to have the ability uh, to find that American dream, I think they are, uh, you know, uh, attracted to a message that says, we can all have shared prosperity, right? We can be a better country, we can be a better city where everyone has the things they need to survive and thrive. Um, and, And I think that if you have an operation that goes door to door and gets that message across, uh, you're going to be able to get out the vote uh, for progressive candidates time and time again. We saw that with Kim Fox, uh, and, and we saw it now with Brandon Johnson as well. Um, so the 22nd Ward uh, did really well uh, for Brandon, and that's because the 22nd Ward IPO was out there. Same with the 33rd, same with the 35th. I think in the Latino wards where you didn't see Brandon do well, and you saw Ballas do better, it's because, one, you may have an organization there Whipping votes for Vallis right China pick up uh, support for Vallis or two there's just no one going door to door having those important conversations and so unfortunately then uh, you know voters uh, you know uh, opt with uh, you know un- with with uh, with Vallis for whatever reason Rosetta
0: yeah I, I I don't have much to add to what Carlos said um, I think yeah i think that our organization and the way in which we are able to engage people fills uh, a gap right um of 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 understanding and of possibility um we talk to people we we engage people we 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 help people imagine that that we can have um that, that that things can be different and then you know i i i think that it would be disingenuous to deny that in the absence of that of that messaging, there is also a, a decent amount of anti-blackness in the Latina community. So in the absence of engaging people with message, in the absence of, of engaging people with politics of solidarity and rainbow coalition politics, um, anti-blackness is something that can take over and, and you're going to see people acting in that way. Um, and I think that, that is, that's something that we definitely need to be taking very seriously and, and working on from, from every space in the city.
2: I'm really glad uh, you said that 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 honesty, Rosanna. I really appreciate that. I remember, uh, again, feeling really uh, very uh, nostalgic and uh, really missing Karen Lewis uh, th- today. I must confess that to you guys, but uh, when she came to one of our hideout shows after the two thousand and fifteen election, of course she had been a big supporter. To put it mildly, she created Jesus Chuy Garcia's career, uh, at least the second part of it. Uh, And she talked in reverse. She was so open about resigning. She said it to the crowd, like, "Why didn't uh, more? Why did black voters go with Rom?" And she just talked about the anti Mexican American bias in the black community, openly said it in front of a group of mostly white lefties. And um, it's a reality. HDO, this is before your time, Rosanna, but yeah, I know you know the history. And Carlos, I know definitely know you know the history. HDO, Daly was so successful. Richard M. Daly was so successful at dividing the black and Latino community here in the city of Chicago. And those wounds that Daly created. That rivalry that he played, I don't believe has completely healed over, uh, even to this yeah. day. Go ahead.
0: I I agree, and and it's something that pains us a lot. I'm gonna say this, and it, <laughs> and I'm gonna say this, in, in in part of this, as part of the work that we were doing throughout this election, we supported several candidates that we believe that that would be great additions to city council uh, because we are really invested in having a, a, a majority progressive uh, council. One of the people that we supported was Ruth Cruz in the 30th ward. Um, she, was, she was in a runoff with Jessica Gutierrez, um, which is uh, former Congressman Luis Gutierrez's daughter. Um, There was so much ugliness in that race, and at some point, it became obvious that um, because Ruth Cruz endorsed Brandon Johnson, there was a rhetoric of people from Jessica's campaign at the doors, essentially saying she's with the black candidate. And we went knocking doors in the 30th Ward, and we saw a, a, a door hanger that had Ruth with Brandon in the front, like a picture of of Ruth with Brandon. And it didn't have any message. It just said she endorsed Brandon Johnson. She endorsed this man. Right. And it was a black, um, a black door hanger, black and red door hanger. And it was very clear what that said. You know, she is with the black. And, and, And to me, getting to the point where you are going to dig into the anti-black sentiment in the Latino community, in order to get to power, we lost you. We lost you, and 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 that is that is deep work that needs to be done in order for our communities to be able to heal and to adopt a politics of solidarity that we desperately need between brown, black and brown communities. Um, And and that's that's what we want to do. So let me tell you, I am really happy that Ruth Cruz won that race and I am ready to work with her in in city council. Um, So I think that there was a lot of ugliness that stemmed from 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 the absence of actual politics uh, the absence of actual vision of what we can accomplish together that then gets filled by all of these anti-sentiments, right? The the feeling that somebody's taking something from you, the feeling that somebody is different to you.
2: Before I turn it over to Carlos for his response, I just want to point out a central irony of what Rosanna just had to say. Uh, Luis Gutierrez owes his entire political career to a man named Harold Washington. And I hope, uh, former Congressman Gutierrez, you never forget that. Your entire political career was because Harold Washington plucked you from obscurity and gave you a job. I believe it was in the streets and Sanitations Department. They gave you a, enough money to buy a house, get some nice suits, change your image, and then you ran for alderman. Now I understand that you cut the deal with Daly to become congressman. I understand, I remember I remember very well when you did it, but you wouldn't have been in that position to cut the deal with Daly, to become congressman if it wasn't for a man named Harold Washington. So I just, I hope you never forget that, uh, Congressman Gutierrez, really disappointed to hear that story, Rosanna. Carlos, your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I think that unfortunately, you know, there is a lot of anti-blackness in the Latino community. There is uh, unfortunately a nativist sentiment, um, oftentimes in the black community. We also know that Republican operatives are intentionally pushing, uh, you know, that animosity because they think that they can break apart the Democratic coalition, right, which brings together a multiracial coalition uh, time and time again. Um, so it's, it's really unfortunate to, to see that happening. Um, but, but I think that organization and bringing people together overcomes that. And I want to really uplift the work of the Illinois Coalition of Immigrant Refugee Rights uh, Action. So ICER Action, that is their 501C4 pack. And I also want to uplift the work of Mi Gente, which is a national Latinx organizing uh, organization. They came together and ran an independent expenditure in support of Brandon Johnson. And going back to what we were talking about earlier, the communities where they were present you could see the difference that was made, right? Going door to door with uh, bilingual literature, with uh, you know literature that was tailored to speak to the issues important to the Latino community, um, showing all of the support that Brandon had from Latino leaders, I think that was key in winning uh, a lot of people over that otherwise may not have voted for Brandon because of uh, that anti-Blackness. Uh, so I'm, I'm just so happy to see the coalition that Brandon Johnson has built, is building, Uh, It's not lost on me. And Brandon made it very clear in his victory speech. Um, Yesterday was April 4th, uh, the anniversary, the 55th anniversary of Dr. King's assassination. Um, And Dr. King, uh, in one of his speeches here in the in the state of Illinois, said that if the civil rights movement and the labor movement were to ever come together, they'd be the most powerful force. And, and I think Brandon really embodies that. Brandon's campaign really embodied that. And it is the coalition uh, that delivered a big, big blow to the neoliberal establishment. Um, to Rosanna's point earlier, you didn't believe, Ben. You didn't believe because you were talking to all these reporters. We talked about this a little bit. You told me that you were talking to all these reporters. They were mostly older white guys. And they're like, there's no way, Paul Vallis, because that is the established order, right? Money wins. Right? You flood the airwaves and that's it. That's the election.
2: I got news for you. Uh it's the those older white reporters have a way of influencing even younger reporters. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Carlos is like well, you can't win. And so it's mm-hmm. like everybody like if you're a reporter in the city of Chicago, you gotta like you're tough. Yeah, you got, how many bullshit you can't win? It's like you're all smoking cigarettes and drinking. None of you guys <laughs> even smoke cigarettes. You go to the gym and jog. But yeah, I'm a tough guy. You got to win, Ben. It's how it's done. It's delivery. And I'm like, and then you're right. I said this to you last time, Carlos. All right, go talk to you. I talked to Rosanna. Bawani up in the 50th Ward. Anybody who's lefty, I talked to them. Ben, what are you, nuts? You, can't. <laughs> I'm knocking on doors. Everybody's putting them. So, so. But yesterday, I have to tell you this, Carlos. I was really feeling down on election day, I, not to just like burden you with my personal issues, but I just kind of like, it was a gloomy day. And I'm like, Vallas is gonna win. I'm just gonna go through another four years of daily. I, I'm still not over the trauma, the nineties. And I was walking down the street and I saw an older uh, white man. Okay, I don't know how old he was, but he looked to be late seventies, moving toward 80. He walked into his house, Carlos Horzana. And there was a Brandon Johnson sign on the front lawn. And I was like, oh, happy day. I was like, there's a chance. (laughs) This old white guy.
0: You know what, Ben, yesterday we were talking about the anxiety that we were feeling, right, because we worked really hard, but we knew that all the polling told us that the race was going to be close. So, so what we did know was that it was going to come down to ground game. And we know that we have ground game, idea, and they don't. They just don't, because because our people just care deeply, right? And they will go. There was a, there was a guy that came to our, our IPO yesterday. He's a nurse, and he has been organizing with us for a very long time. He did five turfs, five. He just kept coming back, getting a turf that is like several blocks of houses, go back, knock on all of the doors, come back, get another one, go back, come back. That is the level of dedication that that people had. So what we were saying to one another was like, let's just go knock on doors. Let's just go get out. The anxiety, we actually combat it by talking to people at this point. (laughs) like, let's just go talk to people. And we feel so much better after we talk to people (laughs) because worrying doesn't do anything for us.
2: You're right. You're so right. I'm getting a lot of therapeutic help today from Rosanna. I'm going to tell you this. You know, here's my advice. Brian, Brian Hopkins, instead of sobbing about how uh, all these lefties went door to door, you should go to the developer. I can't remember their name right now that you gave the one point three, a billion dollars to. And they should be knocking on doors. I mean, they got one point three billion dollars. What the heck? They think they just got it because they look good in a suit no go knock on some doors <laughs> all those dudes by the way carlos i forget what it was like what was the name of that committee that rom set up or his colleagues set up like make alderman work or something i forget make what it alderman was <laughs> uh
3: you, you're talking about the um get stuff done
2: yeah uh, that get stuff they, work. we want workhorses not show horses i think like the aldermen are horses uh <laughs> they're going for that mr ed vote uh they should have been going door to door. You guys are you know what the problem is, Hopkins? Your guys are lazy. That's I'm just gonna come out and say it. Your guys are lazy. Rosanna and Carlos's people, they get out and they walk and they're healthy. So you gotta go. Ben, get out ben please face. do not
3: flood my ward with a bunch of guys in boat <laughs> shoes and vests, you know, a bunch of like developer bros and they're all just going door to door, like <laughs> no, they, they
2: they hire people. they you don't have to worry, Carla. They're too lazy. They go hire some. I saw those little flyers that they had. Hey, you earn yourself twenty five dollars an hour. Go work for Paul Valens. I'm like, I could show you the picture of the flyer, Rosanna. But that, that's what that's
0: they, the point, Ben. You can't buy this. You can, it doesn't matter if you pay people $25 an hour, $30 an hour. You cannot buy what we do because we believe in it. There's no money. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much you pay somebody. You are not going to necessarily get the passion and, uh, and, and, and get them to move people with these conversations. You got to love people to do this and, to, and for it to be effective. They don't love people. They love themselves. <laughs> yeah,
2: okay. All right. Uh, the greatest love of all is yourself. All right. Uh, so now I'm going to turn to something <laughs> that uh, I've been meaning to talk to, to you guys uh, about. And it's kind of old news, but really it's also future news. And that's the reorganization of the Chicago City Council. Uh, Carlos, I know you played a significant role in that. Rosanna, I'm not quite sure what role you played in it. Uh, but it was a fascinating story that went down the week before the election where the Chicago City Council, for the first time this century, decided that they, individual alders, would determine who would get to chair committees. Uh, and uh, a deal was cut, and I used that phrase with a big smile on my face, uh, in which, Carlos, it, I mean, I gotta give you dudes credit. This is, I'm gonna call it my cheat sheet here. I'm looking at this sheet. You got lefties who get chairs, uh, and you got MAGA people. Who get chairs? It's the most diverse coalition I have ever seen in the Chicago. I'm going to give you a sense. The committee on aging Representative Alderman, uh, Alderwoman Samantha Nugent. She's kind of MAGA light. Matt O'Shea, uh, Department of Aviation. Come on, Matt. You kind of lean a little MAGA there. Alderman Deborah Silverstein. She got buildings. Little Maggie, not like little Maggie. I'll get you a real maggie person. I, my boy, Nick Sposato, gets something. <laughs> they don't get maggier than Mick. And let's see, I know there's a real, Ma- oh, Napolitano. How could I forget Napolitano? And then on the other hand, a lefties, democratic socialists like yourself and Rosanna Rodriguez, I think it's actually, all kidding aside, like democracy. And it's called a working coalition. Uh, my, f- my first question is how you put it together. My second question, is, is it going to be junked? in May, uh, will it hold? So Carlos, why don't you answer the first question first and then we'll deal with the second question. How did you, uh, Jason Irvin, Michelle Harris, I hope I'm not leaving anybody else, Scotty Wagesbeck, how did you guys put this together?
3: Yeah, well, it was reported in Political Playbook that Scott Waggisback and a few others had initiated a council reorganization process. Um, they, and when I say they, I mean Michelle Harris, uh, Scott Waggisback, a few others, wanted older people to submit uh, what committees they were interested in um, to begin this process, some of us felt like uh, what that would result in is basically swapping out the role of the mayor's office for now this new committee of people, right, that they're going to dole out who uh, oversees which committee. And so uh, a group of diverse older people, mostly progressives that are returning, um, we put forward our own proposal that said, if you want to reorganize the council, we need a working group that's diverse, that represents uh, the Progressive Caucus, that represents, uh, you know, white alder people, black alder people, Latino alder people, north side, west side, south side, uh, Brandon Johnson supporters, Paul Vallis supporters, because again, this was happening prior to the election. Um, and um, there was some back and forth. Finally, the folks that wanted to work on organizing the council accepted the proposal put forward by Pat Dowell and uh, Progressive Alder People. And uh, we then met and began working through that process. And so there was a group of 12 Alder People, uh, five vallis five um, you know, uh, Brandon supporters, two neutral, the chair of the Budget Committee, the chair of the Finance Committee, and the chair of the Rules Committee, uh, people representing the North, South and West sides, um, truly a very diverse coalition, uh, we sat down and we met and we talked about um, you know where uh, uh, you know what committees we should uh, have as a city council to be functioning uh, and and who was interested in chairing those committees um, and that's how we came up with uh, the proposal uh, that uh, was voted on symbolically uh, at the last city council meeting and the reason why it's symbolic is because in reality the only vote that matters is the one that happens after the new council seated on May 15. A couple of key things here one. You still have to pay for it. Um, so uh, while uh, this proposal was voted on symbolically, if it were to stick, you would have to be able to figure out you know, how you add this additional committee chair staff um, to uh, committee memberships would still need to be decided. And so people that were just selected on April 4th to the city council, um, you know, we got to figure out what committees they would like to serve on. Um, I think everyone that, that worked on this, everyone that voted on it, we understand that a vote has to be taken again after May 15th and things might change. For example, one of the people that is listed as a potential committee chair, he may not be returning to city council uh, depending on what happens with the mail-in ballots. So I think there was always a sense that, um, you know, this was a start of a conversation. This was an important first step forward, um, but there's still a lot that needs to be figured out between now and when the new council is seated. And I look forward to having those conversations in the same collaborative way uh, that they were held uh, before April 4th. Rosanna?
0: I don't have much to add to that. I was definitely part of the conversations um, after we started thinking that it was not going to work for us, for a bunch of elders that already have power to figure things out for everybody and to you know give chairs um, uh, out with no real criteria. Um, so it was very important to push for a process that was representative of everybody um there was also queer elder uh representation um in 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 the process and you know of course we would love for every committee to be chaired by a progressive because we want a progressive council but there's not enough of us to be able to do that. So, you know, um that this is this is the most representative of the diversity of city council that that I think we could get.
2: Oh, it's... Uh, I mean I, I I'm not being facetious. I I told Carlos this it's it, quite an accomplishment. Uh and whether it holds is a whole other issue, but just to get it through that that one day it was uh no small feet and yeah, I know you're uh criticized. I, I just love it, man. Uh you got criticized by like the good government groups. Like, yeah, we want the council to be independent, but we want <laughs> we want to do it after I don't know, it was like after the mayor is is in. I'm like, Well, you know, it'll be a lot harder to do it after the mayor's in than it is to do it now. Uh as we're gonna find out on May fifteenth. Well, let's just say the world uh works the way you set it up uh, last week, uh, Rosanna and Carlos, and um, the committee chairs hold, at least for yourself. Rosanna, we'll start with you. You have health. Uh, Carlos has housing. Wow. Carlos Ramirez-Rosa chairing housing. That, a lot could be done. That's totally wild to me, uh, Carlos. But anyway, I'll stick with health first. Um, what would your goals uh, be, Rosanna, as the chair of the uh, health committee?
0: Well, I mean, one of my main um, purposes uh, in wanting to chair the the committee on health is first the level of frustration that I felt for the last three years trying to get a hearing for treatment, of trauma, something that was clearly popular, something that we worked so hard to educate the public on, something that got 97% of the vote um, as average in in the words that it was put on as a as a ballot item in november um and i kept getting promises from roderick sawyer from from the chair of, of of health and and i never i never got a hearing and it and it comes a moment when you're like why do we have these committees for like this is just so irresponsible um and i and i i was determined to fight for, for the chairmanship of that committee because I want to see good public health policy come out of the of city council. And of course I want to start with treatment, no trauma, because it has been the lens through which we have started to look at a lot of the public health and public safety issues in the city of Chicago. But there is so much more that we can be looking at. Uh, we also want to look at who can come and be a good, um, a good ally as as a commissioner of of public health that also has a lens um, that helps us advance um, uh, structures of care for people. Um, I think Alison Arwadi was known for the response to COVID, but her ideas about public health were completely neoliberal ideas she's not invested in expanding public structures she was not invested in creating those structures from government she was invested in continuing to give money to nonprofits and delegate agencies and 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 that is unsustainable and we know that it's unsustainable so as chair of the of the of the health um a uh, committee, I want to make sure that we are seeing legislation uh, through that is going to help us develop those structures that we desperately need.
2: And mental health clinics.
0: Yes. So that's part of treatment of trauma. Treatment of trauma has several uh, levels of action. One of the levels of actions is to reopen the public mental health centers um, and to expand the services that they provide so that we can also have 24 hour walking crisis centers uh, to transport people that we encounter that are having crisis.
2: Yeah, that's a huge symbolic. uh, If nothing else, you talk about symbols. uh, That was, of course, Rom's first budget to close the mental health clinics. And for reasons I'll never understand, Mayor Lori Lightfoot stood by it. Man, Mm -hmm. just just imagine just the symbolic gesture of reopening at least some of those clinics. Uh, Carlos just to promote herself uh, as a more progressive mayor. I keep thinking of all the missed opportunities in the Lori Lightfoot era. I know we shouldn't beat that dead horse, but... That would just be top of the because she ran on that. Rosanna Lori Lightfoot ran, she promised we're going to reopen those clinics. She did. Carlos, your agenda, your goals, uh, if you get to be the housing chair.
3: You know, I'm really excited about this new city council. We have more progressive city council people. It's possible that about half of the city council will be in the Progressive Caucus. Now we know that there's a lot of diversity within that label of progressive. For example, a MAGA Republican uh, used to be part of the Progressive Caucus. That's Nicholas Posado, for those of you that don't know. Um, but but I think it's a positive sign to see that growth. There'll also be more older people aligned with United Working Families. Um, so I'm really excited. Because look, we're under no illusion, just because you have a title of you know the chairmanship that now suddenly you can get your agenda passed. No, in the city of Chicago, you need the mayor and you need to be able to count to 26 in the Chicago City Council. So with a progressive mayor, with a, a growth in the number of progressives in the Chicago City Council, I think it's gonna become much easier to count uh, two twenty-six 26 uh, on the issues that are really impacting our families. So first and foremost, the Chicago Housing Authority. Uh, we want to make sure that people that live in CHA have dignified living conditions. Um, we also want to make sure that we are housing people the way that we should. In my ward, there are empty CHA buildings, right? Buildings that are in disrepair that are owned by the CHA should be occupied by someone, but we cannot get an answer from that agency in terms of why it's in that state and what's the plan to get it fixed and to get it occupied. Similarly, um, you know, we are seeing, um, you know, issues uh, with uh, an increase in, in homelessness in our city, Um, and I think, you know, bring Chicago home and making sure that we are raising the real estate transfer tax on properties that sell for over a million dollars so that we can generate the revenue necessary to get people off the streets, uh, and into a, 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 dignified permanent home, uh, with wraparound services and the support that they need. Um, making sure that we are addressing the issue of displacement in communities like Logan Square, Avondale, uh, Pilsen, Albany Park. So I'm, I'm really excited, um, to, to work with my colleagues. Uh, and I certainly hope that I will be uh, the housing committee chair. Um, we shall see uh, how uh, conversations progress as we reach uh, May 15th. Yeah. Well, you would be
2: a different, just put it mildly folks. I, I know a few things about housing committee chairs in the past. Uh, and uh, it was <laughs> just the, the notion of a democratic socialist being the housing committee chair, usually housing committee chairs are just are there to collect uh, donations from uh, developers uh, it's, a, it's a great seat to have if you just want to fill your campaign uh, coffers uh, with donations. I'm thinking of a few housing committee chairs from past that will remain nameless because why beat a dead horse? All right, what about some of these citywide issues beyond chairs? And I guess at the top of the list, I know a lot of uh, folks are going to hear your thoughts on this, revenue. And uh, if there was one element to the debate in the, uh, what was it, six weeks or so leading up to this a runoff uh, that made me smile uh, is how they ducked and, and dodged and danced around the issue of raising the money that the city of Chicago needs to pay its obligations. Now, the lefties let off. I mean, Carlos, you've come on this show many times with a laundry list of uh, progressive uh, taxation uh, uh, proposals and ideas uh, that you think we could uh, employ Uh, to uh, pay off our obligations. Uh, uh, Brandon obviously did not want to be attached to any of them, so he just sort of uh, distanced himself from them. And Paul Vallis lived in Fantasy World, where he was going to hire more cops, uh, pay off all the pension obligations, and cut property taxes. I'm like, "Ah, what do you got, a magic elixir in the back pants of your pocket there, Pablo? So my question (laughs) to you, Carlos is uh, is um, what do you think is a realistic proposal that the uh, Chicago City Council can entertain uh, in the coming years?
3: So, one, we are looking at uh, raising uh, the real estate transfer tax, uh, and that would generate potentially hundreds of millions of dollars, as discussed, uh, to provide uh, housing uh, to address the crisis of homelessness here in the city of Chicago. You know, Brandon also came out in support of raising the corporate head tax That was something that was actually uh, brought in to the city by uh, Harold Washington. Uh, That was actually part of a compromise. Harold Washington actually wanted a downtown commercial lease tax, similar to a tax that exists uh, for high rise buildings in uh, Manhattan. Uh, That's what Harold Washington wanted to bring here to the city of Chicago and he did not succeed and the compromise was a corporate head tax. Uh, Rom got rid of that as a favor to his big corporate friends. Um, you know, it would raise tens of millions of dollars uh, if implemented correctly. And they say, oh, well, it's a job killer or, It would negatively impact uh, small businesses. No, we're talking about pennies on the dollar and these are for big corporations, right? So your mom and pop store, your small entrepreneur in the neighborhood, they're n- more than likely not going to be impacted by this tax. We're talking about, you know, uh, Target, Walmart, you know, these, these big corporations with hundreds of employees in the city of Chicago. You know, also, there's a number of, you know, proposals that do involve Springfield. And the good news is, is that Brandon Johnson was endorsed by, I don't know, almost the entire Chicago delegation down at Springfield, with uh, the exception of uh, of perhaps maybe the speaker. But. I mean, it was everybody. It was Latino, white, black, all of our state reps down in Springfield. Uh, so many of them were with Brandon Johnson. And so I think that Brandon's going to have the ability to go down to Springfield and actually get the support needed uh, to move some of these uh, revenue uh, proposals forward that do require state approval. Rosanna?
0: Same. I reintroduced the, the corporate head tax um legislation in as soon as we got uh sworn in in 2019 and you would think that the sky was gonna fall <laughs> you know, people talk about it as if you're going to be taxing like i don't know like everyday people and this is a tax that is supposed to be specifically for corporations and you can also set the 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 rules for it like after how many employees how much revenue do you gotta have right So we have ideas. I think that we never run out, like government never runs out of ideas to tax poor people. But when it comes to taxing the rich, every single thing just just seems like an impossible uh, task. But we are here for that. And we're very happy that um, that Brandon um, has been very open about about the importance of of taxing the rich.
2: Yeah, I like I said, he did back off a little bit for some of the uh, United Working Families proposals. And uh, so that left him vulnerable on on a couple of
3: occasions. But that was was actually, he had actually never come out and supported that. That was a reporter who said that he supported a city income tax. And they said he supported that because... Uh, United Working Families supported that. And then he said, no, he said, that's not part of my budget proposal. You can read my entire budget proposal on my website. That's something that United Working Families put out there. Yeah. Um, and so that was just a bunch of nonsense and misinformation. One of the stupidest hits. I will say this, Paul Vallis, not to relitigate the election we just had, but in 2019, he did <laughs> say he was gonna raise property taxes. And to your point, Ben, he was engaging in this fantastical thinking where he was gonna add all these cops to the payroll, which is already the biggest expense the city has, And then uh, he uh, was somehow not going to have to get new revenue uh, to cover those costs. Um, I think Paul Vallis was planning to do what every other neoliberal mayor has done, which is raise property taxes. And the message that I've been saying consistently is people talk about, oh, well, you'll run these corporations out of town. You are running, working and middle-class people out of this city because they cannot afford these property taxes. And I think that was huge for Brandon because Brandon made it clear over and over again in his literature, in his mail, his TV ads, he's not going to raise property taxes and he's going to ask the, the the rich and big corporations to pay their fair share.
2: Yeah, No, and I, I'm i with you. And uh, we just had uh, a discussion Saga Bhatti was on the show about a week ago. We just took a deep dive on um, the sort of creative, I have that in quotes, borrowing schemes of uh, the daily years, which added uh, millions and millions of dollars in financing fees, interest rates and interest fees, basically uh, to the loans uh, that we owe to banks, uh, based on uh, to the interest that we owed on the loans to banks. And so this is somehow or other viewed as Brilliant, creative budgeting. Somehow (laughs) or other, that is creative and brilliant budgeting. But if you just say, yeah, I'm going to have a head tax, that's uh, an onerous tax that's going to drive jobs out of the city. And uh, I I find it really, I'm with you, uh, Carlos. I find it very frustrating, to put it mildly, that the the right wing just continually assails any notion about... A, ta- a form of progressive taxation as a job killer while being quiet about the uh, financial schemes that their uh, budget directors have come through come up with during the daily years which essentially just trying to get the money they need right now Carlos to pay basic bills you follow me
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so
0: it's a very real
2: thing go ahead Rosetta.
0: I think the other part of it is, we have been also making proposals to repurpose vacancies. And for example, in the police department, that we have a lot of vacancies that are not really serving any purpose right now, and are not they're not being able to fill them, you could actually create the structures, right? to take some of that work off the plate of police so that you don't need all of that police that you think that you need you're using the police for whatever for for everything for every systemic failure create the structures with some of those vacancies and then you are not going to have to call the police to deal with it so it is an efficient way to fund things up because because the because those positions are already budgeted with benefits and everything and they don't touch them same and, and same with other other areas agencies in government but very particularly the police because um because of of, of all of this default narrative anything <laughs> that 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 is geared towers making government more effective by using resources in a way that actually helps is seen as like this attack against the institution and against and and, and we're gonna have to uh to figure that one out
2: yeah that'll be uh, a challenge all right we'll close with this get your crystal balls out do you a likelihood uh, that we could have a council wars type scenario where an anti Brainerd Johnson faction uh, forms. You know the city council pretty well. You know how many members there are in the city council, where they lay. Uh, so, could you have uh, a situation? Oh, I don't know, where uh, Alderman uh, Beal and uh, Alderman Raylo uh, get together? I uh, get twenty-six. Uh, that's what it would take. Twenty-six aldermen. Uh, to oppose Brandon Johnson. I'll start with Rosanna and Carlos, you get the last word. Go ahead.
0: I I don't think so. I don't, (laughs) I don't think that there is enough people in city council to do something like what happened in the eighties. I think that Brandon is somebody that is going to come and build relationships. He has a solid base of support in city council with people that are very well respected and that have been effective in city council. Um, so i i i don't think that
3: that that situation would be repeated carlos now ben were there any black aldermen in the redoli act 29
2: uh no (laughs)
3: white aldermen and maybe what one or two latino aldermen
2: one puerto rican
3: one puerto rican wow that's a diverse coalition
2: now here we go hold on let's see if we get the trivia question (laughs) name that puerto rican politician go
3: Oh, Way
2: man, before I, you. you weren't even born yet. So you're no. excused. Miguel, Miguel Santiago. Anyway.
3: boom, um, boo. uh, boo Miguel. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I think that, um, I think that you have to look at the conditions that led to the Redola 29. And uh, you have to look at the makeup of the current city council. Um, this council is much more diverse and much more progressive. Uh, than the council that Harold Washington walked into. Uh, and I think you noted this to me the other day, which was that there had been black aldermen that did not support Harold, right? They supported uh, the white machine candidate. And then the moment Harold won and he got 80, 85% of the vote in their ward, uh, they supported him because their community supported him. Yeah. Uh, and and so I, I, I look at the current makeup of the city council and I just don't see how you would organize a racist, uh, right-wing opposition to uh, Mayor Brandon Johnson. Now, maybe I can be proven wrong, um, but I just, I just don't see it happening. And I think that's a good thing because we need to have a city council that works well with the mayor to move forward an agenda that's in the best interests of everyone. I was so happy today when I saw Kim Fox tweet out her congratulations of Brandon Johnson because to me, that reflects a reset. And the relationship between our state's attorney and our mayor, Kim oh, Fox, yeah. poor Kim Fox. She was beat up so many times by Lori Lightfoot. Lori Lightfoot loved to scapegoat anything that was going on in the city of Chicago on Kim Fox. It was just not true. The data does not back it up, uh, despite what right wing trolls love to repeat all day on Twitter. Um, <laughs> and and I and I think it's a good sign that here you have Kim Fox. Uh, She was at Brandon's victory party last night. I think it's a good sign that we're going to have a mayor and we're going to have a state's attorney that can work together. Similarly, we need a city council that can work with the mayor to move forward an agenda. Um, And so I'm hopeful that we're going to have that. And I think we're going to have it because Brandon is an organizer. That is who he is. Brandon went down to Springfield and organized to pass legislation that was in the best interest of our schools. Brandon went to the county board of commissioners and organized to pass major legislation to improve people's lives. And Brandon organized a huge coalition of the 90 sitting elected officials, 90 plus sitting elected officials that endorse in this race, 71 plus endorsed Brandon Johnson because yeah. he's a coalition builder. And I think we're going to see that reflected uh, in the coalition that he brings. To the city All
2: right. Very good. Carlos, thank you so much. Rosanna, we lost you for a while, but you're back. Thank you very much. Uh, and uh, congratulations uh you guys to i don't know whatever you call yourselves democratic socialists progressive lefties <laughs> liberals whatever you want to call yourself god bless you you uh, prove me wrong one more time rosanna i love saying it uh let's keep this so, going believe, for a while do you
0: believe now ben do you believe
2: well, there was a there was a song in the '60s, long before you were born, called "I'm a Believer." Okay, and so I will now <laughs> sing that song. No, I will spare you my singing of that song. Uh, but you prove <laughs> me wrong over and over again, and you're slowly destroying that baby boomer in me that is just always fearful of his shadow. So, thank treatment
0: you. Treatment, not trauma, time. man. Treatment, not
2: trauma. <laughs> you were right on about that. Even Paul Valles was saying treatment, not trauma, at the end. You were right on about that, rosanna Rodriguez. Uh, Carlos Ramirez Rosa thank you so much good job this uh, uh, Tuesday and we'll be talking to you in the coming weeks alright
0: thank you Ben alright
2: right, that's Carlos Rosa I also want to thank producer Chris outstanding job give yourself a raise take it out of petty cash peace and love
1: everybody don't forget you can download previous Ben Jaroski shows get Benny J bonus interviews and so much more great content at ChicagoReader.com. And find more from The Ben Jarofsky Show all over the internet, on social media, and your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.